Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Sorry, the number you have dialed is not in service at this time. Good day, or look, and welcome to the World Cricket Show, a show about cricket all over the world, although predominantly, in this case, the ashes. My name is Adam Bayfield, and my passport describes me as the host of this here podcast. And in the studio with me is a man who, well, I don't even know what it says on his passport. Pundit, polymath, buffoon for hire. Wow. It can only be Tony Kerr. Surprised they let you into the country with that on your passport. Podcast host. Don't usually like podcast host around these parts. I get very long looks at immigration. Back and forth uh, from the passport to your face. How's it going this week, Tony? Uh, It's excellent, yeah. Have you got ashes fever yet? You must have by now, surely. Uh, it's coming. It's kind of coming on. I've got the. It's like the kind of day before. You know when you know you're getting a cold. Yeah. And you can just you get like a tickle. A tickly. And throat, you know yeah. that the next day is going to be the worst day. Uh, that's probably where I am with yeah. Dash's fever. Well, I've been laid up in bed all week. Every time I try to get up, I just think about Jonathan Trott's on drive again. And I just have to lie down. Right. Uh, but yeah, that's very much what we're going to be talking about today, isn't it? The ashes. The ashes. <laughs> it's, it's pretty big. I mean, it's. It's really uh, kind of emerged uh, from the shadow of Wimbledon, hasn't it now? Tonight is the second part of our award-winning Ashes preview. Uh, we talked about Australia last week, didn't we? And this week, we're going to be training our sights on England. Uh, but that's all to come. You must have had a pretty good weekend, Tone. Yeah, it was good. You uh, yeah. you went to Wimbledon, didn't you? Took you a bit of tennis. You managed to have tickets for men's semi-finals day. I don't know how you went, swung that. Yeah, you might say so. I mean, Rubicon got in touch with me and said, look... Got a couple of tickets. Go along to the tennis men's semi-final day, and I thought, cool. I'll give my auntie a call. She likes tennis. Ruby can say we got two tickets for you as the podcast co-host. Who are you going to take? Yeah, well, I just didn't think it'd be your thing. <laughs> didn't think you'd like it. Our friend Patrick said that to me. Listens to the World Tennis Show. Knows a, a big tennis man. And uh, yeah, he said to me, you should go to Wimbledon, Adam. You'd, you'd probably really like it. It's like, yeah, I probably would. <laughs> yeah. I probably would really like it, just whether or not I can get tickets. It was fantastic. Friday was uh, long. You know, I was on court for, well, on court. I was watching, I was near to the court for the best part of about eight hours. What was it? Djokovic, Del Potro? Djokovic, Del Potro, and then uh, Marijanovic. Yeah, the Djokovic, Del Potro match, I've still not seen highlights of, because obviously I, was, obviously I was at work on Friday, and then I got in and literally... Got in in time to watch match point. And then what annoys me more than I think anything is that when the tennis goes on into the evening, they just bump today at Wimbledon. They just don't, yeah. they don't do it. Yeah, and that's it. what you need. And that's exactly, that's all, I, that's all I was looking for, was some highlights of Djokovic Del Potro. And all the pundits were there like, this is probably the best match I've ever seen. In fact, it's so good, we're never going to show it again. <laughs> just burn just, the tapes. Yeah, it's very annoying. There was, I mean, it was a remarkably high-quality match. Uh, yeah, lots to enjoy. You'd have liked it, I think, probably. <laughs> I'd have probably uh, enjoyed it. Yeah, so, yeah, it was good. It's a good day all round. Did you have strawberries and cream? No, 
just had a nice. You don't really like fruit, do you? No, it's not. No, I had a nice, uh, you know, one or two Stella Artois, uh, traditional Wimbledon drink. So that was good. Had a few traditional Jaeger bars. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The Jaeger bar was doing good business. Andy Murray won the final. Did you hear about that? I caught a glimpse of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah I did caught, catch did catch. You, did you see there. this in the news? That was that was fun. I watched uh, watched most of the final in Cafe Rouge with an excitable German uh, in Gatwick, <laughs> Gatwick uh, which was good. Yeah. So that was I thought suitably British for the uh, for the occasion. It was brilliant. I mean, yeah, what a way to do it. it was, what really annoyed me though, and it still annoys me now, is why why the TV cameramen couldn't pick out someone more interesting than Gerard Butler. I mean, I'd I'd much rather have seen Wayne Rooney's reaction to things than was Wayne Rooney there? Gerard Butler. Rooney was there, yeah. Exactly. Was Rooney really there? Yeah, they yes, just, he was. They kept they cutting back to Gerard Butler. I don't want to see f- Gerard Butler. <laughs> Honestly, such a prat. Well, in fairness, it was Gerard Butler and Bradley Cooper. Well, I'm less annoyed about Bradley Cooper. Why? Just because... Well, I'm annoyed at both of them, really. I'm annoyed <laughs> at both of them. But we had to see their faces constantly. For a plus point for Gerard Butler, it was by distance the best thing I've ever seen him in. Uh, so well that's an actual joke that's a kind of an actual gag yeah yeah. that's a real joke did you write that Uh, no I didn't even tweet it I might tweet it out before it's probably too late (laughs) now isn't it I missed the trick that's what Twitter's for Uh, but yeah don't don't keep showing us this stupid face it was ridiculous the way they cut between after like every point and it's right at the like right in the key moments like third set right at the end Literally, like you say, every point or every other point, back to them. God jo- Djokovic, damn it. Djokovic is saving championship yeah. points. And it's cutting to Gerard Butler going, <gasps> Yeah. <laughs> like, like, I don't care. I really don't I care. I literally don't care. Show me anyone but Gerard Butler. Show me the players. Alex Salmond. Don't even. Well, yeah, probably. <laughs> Just don't show me Butler. For God's sake. There's a kind of. Uh, there's a bit of a strange sort of anti climax after Murray won. I don't know if you shared in this we obviously we didn't watch it together you were in cafe rouge but like it was incredibly exciting the end and that final game was amazing and obviously the moment when he won it was like yes <laughs> then about three seconds later i was like yes how does this affect my life <laughs> like, <laughs> do you know what i mean it's like that's 76 year hoodoo it's over I'm still going to probably live my life the same way. But I suppose all sport is like that, isn't it? To an yeah. extent. It's true of the Ashes as well. If we were the Ashes, I'd be like, yes, <laughs> this doesn't affect my life at all. Yeah. It's kind, no, of, ridi- it's kind of ridiculous to get so into sport. It genuinely made me think, like, this is ridiculous. It's ridiculous that I care this much. Yeah. Uh, but then, as I say, that's how I feel about all sports. So, um, well, let's crack on with another episode of this cricket podcast, <laughs> then, shall we? <laughs> Keep listening, everybody. Ashes. Ashes, Tane. Ashes. <laughs> ashes to ashes. Ashes. That's what they should be calling it, shouldn't they? <laughs> ashes to ashes. Can we use that song? What? Definitely use that there, because that is 2013, isn't it? It's the Ashes to Ashes year. <laughs> Rumor from ground control. <laughs> Gosh, shouldn't oh, they got no. you going on that. Don't say it's true. Right, definitely stop that now. <laughs> well, yeah, ashes, Tane. Ashes, 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 ashes. <laughs> I've not re-prepared anything for this segment right, today. Say ashes. I thought I'd just say ashes over okay. and over again until we can all go home. Well, that's all that anyone needs to know, really, isn't it? <laughs> the ashes is about to start. Uh, and last week we talked about Australia, so go back and listen to that if you haven't already. Uh, this week, England, the other team that takes part in the Ashes. Yeah, and uh, well, where to start with England? It's not like we talk about them all the time. Uh, But looking at it in a long-term way, uh, since winning the Ashes in Australia, England have had a a pretty interesting two and a half years 
with notable successes at home to India, at home to Sri Lanka, and of course in India with that historic series win there. But there have been notable failures in that time too, in the UAE against Pakistan and at home to South Africa. Um, So at one point in this period, they were top of the test rankings. They now lie third. The majority of the English media seems to be feeling pretty confident about England's chances in this Ashes series. Are you part of that that wave, Tony? Are you, are, you, are you on that bandwagon? I enjoyed uh, I enjoyed reading Botham's column today, right. uh, in which he confidently reiterated his ten nil uh, prediction. Uh, you've got to admire the man; he's not <laughs> changed his tune at all. You know, he's been he's been beating that drum for a few months now. Well, he's sticking to his guns. So fair play. Unlike you, you know, you're the kind of guy who probably would have predicted it now a flip flop. Well, I would flip flop. <laughs> Yeah, you know, two days to go, well, 36 hours to go. That's exciting, isn't it, when you say it like that? For you listening at home, <laughs> it's now... It could be, well, yeah. Could have finished. By the time you're listening, it might already be over. It might be a few yeah. years in the future. That's a scary thought, it's isn't weird, it? isn't it? I don't know why you'd be listening if it's a few years in the future. But... Well, maybe you're just looking back, just reminiscing about a great series. You might be an Australian listener in the future, amusing yourself with the, with the hubris that's <laughs> about, to, two British about idiots. to ensue. Yeah. What was the question again? Are you confident about England's chances overall, generally speaking? Yes, is the short answer to that question. OK, well, they've announced the squad for the first test at Trembridge. Uh, the big talking point is the decision to drop Nick Compton as opening batsman. Obviously, we've got Kevin Peterson returning to the team, so someone has to miss out from that uh, home series against New Zealand. And they've decided that Compton is that man. Joe Root is going to be promoted to open, and Johnny Bairstow retains his place at number six. A lot of people seem to think that that's the right move. That does seem to be the, the overwhelming sense around the media and on, on the social networks, on, on the Twitters and so forth. What do you think? Do you think that's the right move? Uh, yes, I think slightly. I mean, it, it's, it's hard to see it as kind of fair, really. Uh, but, you know, life isn't fair, I guess. And picking a sports team like fairness doesn't really ever come into it, does it? So I'm happy with the side as it looks rather probably than Compton. And he, he's actually been chatting quite a lot, hasn't he, Compton, in the media recently? Yeah, he, he got, he, I was going to say he called a press conference. I think <laughs> he was at a press conference uh, and he said, yeah, that he felt he'd been harshly treated. And- well, it's something that I never really used to appreciate you know, when you're kind of growing up and you see people quoted in the media and you think, like, why the hell have they come out and said that? Or, like, why, you know, what are they chatting about? Why are they saying this? But then you realise that they've just been asked about a million times by people. Well, now you're in the media, Tone. Well, yeah, well... You, you know how it works. You yeah, know you game. know, on the other side. You know. <laughs> on the other side of the fence. Uh, and he does have... It's a right to be quite disappointed because he, he did nothing wrong, but... Not really, yeah. didn't possibly offer enough right, I guess. I can see the logic of this decision. I don't think it's it's not come completely out of left field, has it? Compton did struggle in those two home tests against New Zealand. And I think the, the key thing for the England selectors looking at it was that he appeared to be not really dealing with the pressure, the pressure that was on him personally, because he knew that everyone was talking about him and everyone was talking about whether or not he should play the Ashes. And he just didn't really cope with that. Um, and so they would have been looking at it and thinking, well, how's he going to cope in an Ashes series where the pressure would just be so much more magnified? Um, and as we know, Tone, Joe Root is from Sheffield and therefore good under pressure. Um, Do you so want I- to go through some, some, some of the points from last week? <laughs> uh, uh, well, I think people could go back and listen, <laughs> listen to last week's episode. Um, so I, I, can, I do understand where they're coming from here. But I have to say that I'm unconvinced. Like, this is not a decision that I would have made if I was an England selector, which, God willing, someday I will be. 
Um, firstly, because I do like Nick Compton. I think he's done well for England since he's come into the team. He did have two bad games against New Zealand, but I think if you start judging players on the basis of two games, then you're in very dodgy territory. Both Johnny Bairstow and Joe Root have had consecutive bad matches for England already in their careers. I mean, Joe Root didn't have a great tour of New Zealand, but no one was talking about dropping him because it's just not long enough to make that kind of judgment. Compton has got the same number of test hundreds as Shane Watson, which possibly says more about Watson than it does about Compton, but he does also have double the number of test hundreds that Joe Root has. It's not like he's been a complete failure for England. He's really done pretty well so far. He's just had two poor games at the wrong time, really. I think also people have taken against Compton because he's old, you know? They're sort of thinking, why are we sticking with this old geezer when we could get in Joe Root, who's the future? I, I just don't really have much time for that argument because he's he's 30, isn't he? <laughs> uh, and I've, I've said it before, but, you know, at 30, you could still potentially have six or seven years of test cricket in front of you. I'm not sure that you need to be planning much more long-term than that. I mean, Australia have got an opener who's 35, so I, I don't have much truck with that argument. So firstly, I wouldn't have dropped Compton because I think he'd be a pretty good bet for this series. But secondly, I don't know whether this is the right moment to promote Root because he was doing extremely well at number six. Now he's almost got to start over again. Now it's, you know, we're less sure about how he's going to perform at opener than we would have been if he was at six. I'd have been feeling very confident of Joe Root walking out at number six. Now coming in at opener, which he's not done for England before, there's, there's doubts. And to me... Johnny Bairstow batting at six looks like a potential weakness for England. And therefore, I do feel that this decision means there's now two fairly large question marks over two places in the England batting order, rather than the one question mark that was maybe over Compton before. I'm just picturing you now on your sofa watching the Ashes with just kind of question marks circling your head. Just looking, <laughs> you're just looking puzzled. Doubt filling your, you know, that's, just spilling your cereal. That's a pretty accurate <laughs> summary of what it's like when I watch cricket. <laughs> What's going on? What's happening? Yeah, no, I think that's a kind of that's a sensible perspective on it. I mean, yeah, I mean, the other side of it, as you say, is that Joe Root has been, you know, almost flawless for England since he's come in. He opens for his county. It might be that he goes out and scores several hundreds at opener, and everyone says, well, that, you know, this was a masterstroke. That might be what happens, but you can't really be sure that that's what's going to happen. And therefore, I, I do think it's a gamble. This is more of a gamble than it's perhaps being made out. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, it is a five test series. There is time to change things if it, it is difficult and that's, that's always a source of great debate is you know in between tests in test series about making changes but yeah if you know if things were to go drastically wrong there is time to turn it around although the, all the talk is that the first test is australia's best chance of, of winning a test so <clears throat> maybe the smarter move would have been to uh on the other side and, and keep compton in for the first test and kind of go for that solidity, uh, and then make the change if necessary. There's no doubt that the Australians would think if Compton was playing, oh, we can we can get on top of this guy. But I think they'll also be thinking that about Johnny Bairstow, and I think they'll be thinking that more about Joe Root opening the batting than they would have been at number six. So, so I do think it's a gamble. But um, you know, England seem to be pretty confident that it's one that's going to pay off. I mean, talking about the question marks that are that are circling in my head um, around this batting order, you could argue that there's a third question mark. Uh, and that is over Ian Bell. And this is not something that's being talked about all that much because he's you know, a, a world-class player with a world-class pedigree and a huge amount of experience. But his recent test record is not great. Since the start of 2012, he's played 19 test matches and is averaging 32 with only one century in that time. He averaged 28 in these five tests against New Zealand. He averaged 28 again against South Africa last summer. 
it's probably about time that he made some runs. Yeah, you know, and what I was saying before, you know, it's a long series, and I think, you know, I think, I think Bell will grow into it, and I think he'll make a make a big impact. I, I think I like the way England are shaping up at the moment. There's clearly a lot to be confident about. A lot of people are confident, and then you know, there's a lot of expressions and you know, old Chinese proverbs that could sum up the problems that come from being overconfident uh, better than I could. But I think this will be this will be a good time for England to to play some to play some good. What? I thought you were going to say that this is a good time for England to play some cricket <laughs> against Australia. What were you going to say? This just seems like the perfect time for. Um, no, I think I think England can put some big scores on. I'm confident. Yeah, I think there's every reason to be confident about this England batting lineup because there are world class players in it all the way down. Bell is a concern, but despite those rather worrying statistics that I just mentioned, personally, I wouldn't be too too worried about him because yes, he's not been great since the start of 2012, but. In 2011, he averaged over 100 and was arguably the best batsman in the world at that point. So it's unlikely that he's lost that ability. I mean, he's still making runs in one-day cricket, so he's he's clearly still a very uh, good batsman. I'm sure he'll come good at some time in this series. It would just be good for his sake and for England's sake if he could start to come good in one of these first couple of matches because otherwise there will start to be a little bit of talk about him. Aside from Bell and Root, and Matt Pryor as well, who's going to be vitally important at number seven. The three big wickets, I think, that Australia are going to be looking for are Cook, Trott and Peterson. And I would suggest that if two of those three have big series, England are going to be very hard to beat. Peterson returning after quite a lengthy layoff. He's been in the runs for Surrey. Do you expect him to have a big impact in this series? He's a big, a big match player, isn't he? He's a big personality. It seems like a series that's tailor-made for him. It's been a weird couple of years, hasn't it, for Peterson, you know, things haven't been as smooth and now that he's had this little injury and he's been out you kind of he, do, he has gone to the back of the mind of the, the creating public but he is the biggest name in the two sides for me still no doubt I think he's going to be a massive thorn in their side he has played well as well since coming back as you said for sorry and he, he, you know, he's, he looks like he's played with a little bit of abandon as well he's been playing some shots and and scoring quickly. The old swagger is back. Exactly, and that's great to see, and I think that's going to that's gonna set things alight. Well, bear in mind as well that the 2009 Ashes, he was injured. I mean, he played in two of the tests, but he was clearly injured and, and didn't really make any runs, and then he missed the last three. So this is kind of his first home Ashes series since 2005, where he made his barnstorming entrance into test cricket. So I think he feels like he's got a point to prove in this series. And as you say, when he is on song, he is, I think, probably the best batsman in the world. I mean, the 100 he scored in Mumbai, the 100 he scored in Colombo, the 100 at um, Headingley last year against South Africa, three of the best innings I've ever seen. He should go down as an all-time great. He's got all the, the required ability to do that. But on his current record, he's not going to. So, you know, he needs to, he needs to dominate, you know, this type of series, doesn't he? And, and you know, there's every reason to think that he, he could do that here. Yeah, I'm really excited about watching him back again because it does feel like a long time since since we've seen him play. When, when was his last? Okay. Uh, well, he he missed the third test in New Zealand, didn't he? So, um, yeah, we're talking March was the last yeah. time he, he played for England. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm just yeah. It's, it's exciting. It's an exciting prospect. So that's the batting. Like Australia, I think England's big asset though is their bowling attack. Jimmy Anderson and Graham Swan are, are both guaranteed to play. You'd imagine that Stuart Broad is going to be in there as well. Uh, but then they've got three other seam bowlers in the squad, Steve Finn, Tim Bresnan and Graham Onions. Probably going to be Finn, would you think, that they'll, they'll go for? I know uh, you are. Have you spoken to Andy Flower? <laughs> He's, uh, I've got a few missed calls from him. He's been trying to get hold of me, but, you know, I've been down the beach. You've been down on the beach, yeah. <laughs> so, Andy, I'm playing Frisbee, mate. Yeah. Just, I'll call you back later. Yeah, no, I think, yeah, Finn. Finn's your man. I guess he's the one that Australia will fear 
more than they'd fear Bresnan or Onions. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, Bresnan's put his hand up with the bat again, hasn't he? That'll be a consideration, possibly. But, you know, Finn is, Finn is the attacking option, uh, and that's, that's definitely what England have got to do. So, yeah, Finn. Finn for me. I mean, you'd imagine that both Bresnan and Onions will probably feature at some point in the series, because I can't see this England attack going through five test matches without at least one bowler breaking down. Uh, and I, I wouldn't have too many concerns about either of them playing. We talked about this last week, though. You know, the major question of this series is whether the Australian batting is going to be able to stand up to the English attack. If Anderson and Swan are at their best, will they just be too good for the Aussies, do you think? Possibly, but, yeah, it would be hard to to think they're going to be or so much better than the Aussie batsmen or so much or m- more successful that, they, that it'll be a trouncing. I think, yeah, it definitely gives them the edge. But, uh, yeah, it does look, you know, the series overall looks more balanced than it did uh, a little while ago. Is this because of, of my persuasion? Have I, have I been able to persuade well, you? That more like my Jedi mind tricks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I think... These I mean, aren't the droids you're looking for. <laughs> God, should have, should have invited that one. Uh, I could do my Watto impression if you want. Let's hear it. You know, because he's the one that Jedi mind tricks don't work on him. Yeah. I'm a Toydarian. Mind tricks do not work on oh, me. God. Only money. <laughs> Star Wars oh, episode forward, one, The Phantom Menace. Look forward to more of that as the summer wears on. <laughs> you know, if the ashes takes a bit of a dip, uh, then we can just roll out the Star Wars impression. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think it, I think maybe your persuasion has worked me has worked on me slightly uh, and brought me slightly back in from the extreme uh, England bias that I came into the summer with. Uh, but I do think, yeah, I think England are going to edge it comfortably. Well, yeah, and, and Anderson and Swan are, you know, I was going to say the best pace bowler and the best spin bowler in the world at the moment. There'd, there'd be people... Like- we, so we've got the best batsman in the world, <laughs> the best bowler, the best fast bowler, the best spin bowler, probably the best wicketkeeper batsman. <laughs> yeah, it's true. This I mean, the bias well, I, I, think, all, I think, you know, I, I say that. Dale Stane is probably the best fast bowler in the world, but Anderson's not far behind. Side Ashcroft's probably the best spin bowler in the world, but Graham Swan's not far behind. You know, yeah, I think if they do play as well as they can, then then this Australian top six, you know, I'm not sure they're going to be able to deal with that. And they are going to have a minimum of four left-handers in the top six as well. So Swan will be licking his lips at that, particularly with Mitchell Stark creating rough for him as well with his, his left arm seam. Australia are going to move Phil Hughes to number five, I think because they want to protect him from the new ball, uh, which he's had big problems with in the past. Uh, but that just puts him into Swan's crosshairs, though, doesn't it? And, you know, in India, Hughes was all at sea against Ravi Ashwin. And Swan, I think, is a much better spinner than Ashwin. He's going to have Phil Hughes on toast, I would, I would imagine. <laughs> what a sight. But anyway, here we go then, saying this is what everyone's been waiting for. Oh, thank God. It's time to announce my pre-series Ashes Composite Eleven. Uh, arguably the most popular part of the show, this, would you say? Yeah, it is. I mean, people come up to me in the street and say... Uh, you know, when's the next Composite 11 coming out? <laughs> it could, I mean, it almost could be printed up and, and sold in WH Smith. It could it? almost be a spin-off the shelves. A spin-off podcast where I just name Composite 11s for half an hour. Um, I'd be up for it. I probably wouldn't listen. Keeps me entertained. <laughs> uh, but yeah, basically what I've done here, Tony, is I've looked at England and Australia and I've selected one eleven from those two teams. And this is what I've come up with. My opening batsman, Alistair Cook and Shane Watson. I've got Jonathan Trott at number three. Kevin Peterson at four, Michael Clark at five, Ian Bell at number six. I've gone for Matt Pryor as my wicketkeeper batsman, Graham Swan as my spinner, and then a three-man seam attack of Jimmy Anderson, Stuart Broad, and James Pattinson. So there are only three Australians in their tone and eight Englishmen. Is that a fair reflection of the gulf between the sides, or am I overdoing it a bit on the Englishmen? 
No, I think it's pretty accurate. It's interesting, isn't it? You know, we've done it long enough now. Uh, this lark, gonna, it's gone on. It's gone on long enough. 190 bloody episodes. Bring it to an end. Yeah, an eight-three split. Can I see an eight-three split? Yeah, I'm asking myself a question here. Can I see an eight-three split at the end of the? Probably not. I think it might be a seven-four. You think it will be the equivalent of a seven-four split in terms of the series scoreline? Yeah. Well, yeah, and and this is the the, the slight problem with the composite eleven exercise. <laughs> Useful and brilliantly entertaining, like, though it can is. Can you write a Wikipedia article about it, just with the brief? Uh, <laughs> some of the limitations as well of the methodology. Uh, it'd be good to see. Yeah, I mean, it's it's incredibly useful. It's incredibly entertaining. Uh, but it does have some limitations. <laughs> uh, and, and one of them is that um, as much as, you know, it implies, oh, an 8-3 split, that means England are, you know, a ratio of 8-3 to three better than Australia. You know, it might be that the three Australians in there, particularly Michael Clark, are so good that they kind of balance things up a little bit. Um, and also, there are plenty of Australians who are very good. They're just not quite as good as their opposite numbers. So you could easily see Mitchell Stark or Peter Siddle or, or even someone like Brad Haddon being in my post-series composite 11 if they're on top form and their opposite numbers, Stuart Broad, Matt Pryor, etc., aren't quite on top form. So, you know, I think this is the team that you've got to pick. It's certainly the team that I have picked. Uh, but... You know, I'm not saying that it's necessarily going to be the, the same at the end of the series because it just depends who's in form, really, doesn't it? And I think, to an extent, that idea applies to this whole series. You know, there's no doubt that England are big favourites, but I think they have to be on their game. Yeah, on paper, they're a significantly better team than Australia, but that's not necessarily enough. You have to go out there and actually do it. And going into the series in New Zealand, you know, we, ex- we expected England to wipe the floor with the Kiwis, uh, but England weren't at their best. New Zealand punched well above their weight and England in the end had to cling on for a draw in Auckland didn't they so I think Australia are quite a bit better a test side than New Zealand are so on that basis you'd say yeah it's it's while England are favourites it's by no means guaranteed that they're going to win so I'm just trying to sound a a note of caution to any England fans who who have maybe read Ian Botham's column and are subsequently expecting a, a straightforward victory because actually you know if you leave aside the India tour where Australia were awful their recent test record is extremely good. They beat Sri Lanka 3-0 at home. They beat India 4-0 at home a, a year before that. They won in Sri Lanka as well. They won in the Caribbean. They only lost 1-0 at home to South Africa, whereas England lost 2-0 at home to South Africa. Just looking at that, you'd say, yeah, Australia are a very capable test outfit. England are favourites, but I... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I do think they're going to have to be at their best. They can't afford to take Australia lightly. I'm sure they won't because they've been planning for this series for a long time, but they really can't afford to uh, to take their foot off the gas. 
So given all of that tone, everything that we've said last week, everything that we've said this week, all the all the great points that we've made in the last couple of episodes, all of the great points that I've made and the, <laughs> the odd little thing that you've chipped in. Thanks. Uh, given all of that, can I ask you for a prediction? You can. You just did. I just did. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, England win. 10-0. Yeah, there are easy scorelines to predict. Yeah, yeah. 3-1 would be the kind of the easy score and that's what you would have predicted that's what I've got like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's the easy one because you know that gives Australia a little bit of credit but equally it is a pretty convincing victory I think maybe a couple of draws England to win I'm going to say 3-0 three, 3-0 nil. Three, nil? wow you're not even giving Australia a test no interesting yeah as I say I'm going for 3-1 uh, and I guess in a way that's that's that might sound a little bit strange. It might sound like a more convincing win that I'm predicting than what you would expect, given that I've been trying to talk Australia up in the in the preview. But I guess, you know, scorelines can be deceptive in the sense that England might win three tests, but they might all be very close. Therefore, the series will still be competitive. Um, and that's kind of how I feel about this series. You know, I think in all likelihood, all the tests will be pretty competitive. Uh, but I do think England are better and therefore will emerge the winners on three occasions and Australia on one occasion, which is why I've predicted 3-1. What about uh, a prediction over all 10 tests, Tone, home and away? Wow. Because uh, this will be interesting to, to get a prediction from you now and we'll write it down and then we can look back on it both before the series in Australia and at the end of that series as well. Uh, so you want a 10-test t- a, a prediction? That's what you're looking for? Yeah, that's exactly what I'm looking for. You'd need a sophisticated computer model i think to protect that kind of long-term stuff it's hurting my brain thinking about it it's like that program rise of the continents <laughs> yeah, it is. i'm like in my head i'm just picturing pangea just <laughs> splintering uh there's a lot of maths going on here <laughs> yeah uh well no i mean 10 nil is preposterous in many ways but yeah and, well, and you've predicted three nil for this home series so you can't, so I can't get to 10 Mathematically, yeah, that's, it well, can't mate, be 10-0. Give my model some credit. <laughs> it's got that. Yeah, this is a very sophisticated model that you're running. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to go for 6-2. Okay. 6-2. <laughs> there you go. What were you going to say? I was going to say, instead of thinking about it as 10 tests, which is obviously maths that's baffling you, <laughs> think about your, the scoreline for each series and then add them together. <laughs> So you're predicting 3-2 England to win down under. Yeah. Interesting. That's a bold prediction. That is a bold prediction, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I'm not afraid of them, man. Uh, <laughs> I think I've got uh, England to win 5-2, 3-1 at home and 2-1 away. That's right, isn't it? I've done the math you right there. You've done the math, And it is daunting, isn't it, the prospect of the next nine or so months. <laughs> uh, it's quite scary to think. It's a lot of it's test cricket against Australia, isn't it? we're going to have to do about <laughs> the Ashes. It is a lot of talking. <laughs> but this first test is exciting. This is arguably, isn't it, the, the most open of the tests? Or, I mean, this is the the, the test that's going to possibly be the most open of the five, which is another way of saying what I just said before. <laughs> it's, a, it's a way of saying it to make it sound less, <laughs> less certain. Yeah. Just giving yourself a little bit of wiggle room. A bit of more room there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Well, Tony, of course, the Ashes isn't the only thing going on in the cricketing world at the moment. There's also a a big tournament taking place in Sussex. Huge, huge. Well, particularly for us in Guernsey, yeah, the uh, ICC European Division 1 Championship uh, taking place all this week. 
12 associate nations. The two eventual finalists in this competition will travel to Dubai later on uh, in the year to take part in the 2013 World T20 qualifier with the likes of Ireland, Scotland, Afghanistan and others. So yeah, big, big, pretty big prize on offer. Uh, all the other places have been dished out. It's the road to Bangladesh, isn't it? <laughs> it is. The, yeah. Uh, you know, all the other places from the other parts of the world have been dished out. Papua New Guinea, the US, Bermuda, Kenya, Uganda, Hong Kong, Nepal, all in. But the European qualifying happening this week. Uh, so yeah, get down if you can. Uh, Guernsey, Where is it? Horsham? Well, it's in Sussex. I think it's Horsham, a couple of other places, Preston, Nomads, wherever that is. Uh, and then the, I think, semi-finals and final are at Hove. Yeah, if you're in that area and you, you're bored of the ashes already by Thursday and Friday, <laughs> have a look. If England are winning too comfortably. Uh, but yeah, Guernsey, our home island, are involved in that. Uh, and they started with a game against Norway today. Well, yeah, they're in a group with Italy, Austria, Norway, Gibraltar and Sweden. Uh, and yeah, their, their first game, as you say, was against Norway. Uh, and they won. Bowling first, they restricted the Norwegians to 159 for seven Jeremy Frith in the wickets, two for 23. He took former coach of ours. Former coach overlooked us for selection. <laughs> uh, numerous kind of, I think he ditched us when we got to about 14. And then Guernsey knocked off the runs with seven wickets in hand. Uh, and Frith scored runs as well. 99 not out from 59 balls. Couldn't quite get to the century. Uh, but yeah, five sixes in that. And Dave Hooper also 41 not out from 35 balls. So a, a pretty convincing win that. But yeah, to talk more about that, how about we... Uh, Bring in Guernsey captain and good friend of ours, Jamie Nussbaumer, on the phone. How was the ice bath? Oh, refreshing. It's, it's a, we have to do like one minute in and then one minute in a hot tub and then do like three lots of that. So the, the first time you get in the cold one, that's, that's the difficulty. After that, it's, it's, it's not so bad. You, you, it's a very hot week to be playing so much cricket. It is. It is it's quite peculiar, to be honest. I've, I've never really seen this weather before in the UK no it's, it's nice it's great and it's, it's good for us guys because obviously we get like uh, we get a rest day on Wednesday which means we'll actually get our rest day because we go to some tournaments like when we go away to Malaysia and Singapore and they've got all like the thunderstorms that you end up playing half a game it gets rained off so you have to still replay it and you miss out on your rest day so um, yeah it's, it's good in that good, good in that sense yeah, it's because a big, big win today. Really important. Um, we've, we've played Norway a couple of times before, but they've definitely improved. Um, a lot of Asian guys in their side, um, they they won the toss and chose to bat and literally just like from ball one came out and tried to ponga everything out of the park. Um, so, yeah, very aggressive. <laughs> um, we, we did all right. I think we did pretty well. Um, they got 1-5-9 for about seven, I think, uh, which we thought was about past. The boundaries, the, the boundaries are so small, it's ridiculous. They're literally like, 30, 37 yards, kind of something like that. It's you get to the inner ring, the 30 yard circle. It's like literally another eight yards beyond. <laughs> the very small boundaries. Sounds like my kind of boundary. <laughs> so yeah, they're obviously quite high scoring grounds. And then um, we got off to a bit of a shaky start with the bat. Obviously, <laughs> we're about 35 to three. And then Frithy and Hoops both played outstanding innings, and uh, yeah, got us over the line with very, very comfortably in the end. So yeah, you were playing Norway today. What's the uh, like? What's the the quality like in the tournament overall? Uh, you, you know, you, you lost in the semi final last time a couple of years ago. Yeah. yeah, how confident are you that you can go one better this time round? Well, yeah, I think I think a couple of major things have changed this year. And um, obviously, this tournament we've got a really really young squad. I think we've got an average age of roughly about twenty three. 
Um, we've only got four guys over the age of 26. So um, five or six of those guys as well are playing in their first tournament for Guernsey. So we've got quite a different squad from the last time we did it. But what you find in these tournaments is, is 2020 cricket, as you know, it's it's so hit or miss. I mean, we, you, you come across these Asian guys who literally just look to back it out of the park every ball. It only takes one of them to, to come off and suddenly you're in a bit of trouble. Over the longer formats, when we play them in 50 over, you know, the, you're more than likely the better team's going to win. But in 2020 cricket, that's not always necessarily the case. So um, there's there's plenty of dangerous dangerous opponents out there. Um, but yeah, we'll all back ourselves. Hopefully get to that semi-final and uh, finals day on Saturday. Yeah, long-time listeners of the podcast will be aware of my catchphrase, which I've not yet turned into a T-shirt. Uh, but that is, 2020 is 50-50. You know, and that's, I think that you can spread that message around the tournament, Jamie. Okay, oh, I thank you. you I'll, I'll, I'll make sure. I'll make sure to pass that on to. Uh, I'll, I'll get that in a quote to one of the ICC media girls. <laughs> yeah, that, can I'll, you? I'll, I'll, I'll you try and get that in there because they asked me for a quote after each game, so I'll try and get that in there tomorrow. <laughs> give me, give me, a, give me a little reference there. You know, something about this one. <laughs> I think you're pushing good luck. <laughs> <laughs> well, perhaps, perhaps use it in one of your team talks. You know, just that will really get the guys going. It's like, get out there, you know, it's 50-50. It, really it's a total lottery, guys. Don't, don't worry about it. <laughs> don't worry at all about how you bat, bowl or feel because, you know, it's, it's complete lottery. So I, I also like the idea of you in like a huddle out on the field being like, guys, I've got a message from Tony Kerr. Yeah. <laughs> Try and G them up. Most of them wouldn't even know who he is. <laughs> oh, wow. Unbelievable. Well, that's, that needs to be addressed for start. Yeah. <laughs> So Jamie, like Jamie, you're uh, you're a new captain to this, or you're you're new to this captaincy luck uh, for the island. Um, how how was yeah. that today? What was? Did you feel a bit of extra pressure? Uh, it's, it's strange in the fact, um, kind of being captain, you, you you do have extra little jobs and stuff to do. You know, obviously go out, do the toss, get the team organised, hand in your team sheet, you know, do the match umpire report, all of that stuff. All the annoying stuff that like, you'd rather be just like sitting around. Yeah, basically, yeah, the annoying stuff. <laughs> um, but sometimes it gets you out of doing the warm-up a bit earlier, so that's, that's always a positive. Um, but actually, in some ways, it's quite nice, because I'm one of these people that always likes to know kind of what's going on, like no uncertainty. So you almost feel a bit more in control of things as well. You know, you're kind of picking the team, telling the guys what to do so you almost feel a bit more in control of things rather than things just happening around you Jamie you said that uh, it's a bit of a younger squad that you've got this time yeah. what was the, the decision process there there's a new director of cricket in Guernsey isn't there in Nick Pothas have you two sort of come together and, and made an active decision to, to go for a younger squad or has that just sort of happened think, naturally I think, yeah I think in a lot of ways it's just happened naturally obviously the, the two main ones with um, Stuart Leprevo, the old captain, and uh, Gary Rich. Um, they had kind of come to their time, so that, that was all natural. I think, um, yeah, we did put a focus on youth, but I think a, a big factor in it is how much time the cricket takes up now. For example, we qualify from this tournament. We then have to go away for three weeks in kind of October, November time. And then we've got a World Cricket League as well in, um, I think, Malaysia in about February time. So guys you know in the in the 30s with wives and kids and stuff and and holiday time it, it is a struggle so i think it's becoming more and more of a a young man's game in that aspect because obviously you know guys who are still at school or you know get their long holidays and stuff um students so it, it does help having a younger squad is, it, is that true of kind of the, the associate cricket that you're playing is that true uh, kind of across the board are you finding the teams you're coming up against are, are younger as well 
Um, not not particularly, because I think we're, where we're very lucky in Guernsey is, obviously, we've got all our age group cricket, you know, and we, we look to bring kids through and all that kind of stuff. A lot of these nations haven't got anywhere near the kind of structure that we've got in place, luckily. So um, they're not in this tournament, but a side like Bahrain, who we play in World Cricket League, each tournament, it's kind of like the same 14 guys, because that is literally, you know, the 14 guys that play cricket well in Bahrain kind of thing. <laughs> yes. So each year those guys are getting, you know, a year older. So, yeah, they're going to reach that stage where suddenly they're going to have to find kind of like eight to ten new cricketers where I think um, what Australia, for example, is used to be good at is phasing new guys in whilst you've still got a winning, strong team. I think that that's pretty key. Yeah, I mean, the setup in Guernsey does seem just brilliant at the moment. Uh, does it kind of draw admiring glances from, from the other sides? Are they, do they, do they, are they kind of taking on board some of the stuff that you're doing over here? I'd like to think so. I think, uh, yeah, I think we our kind of youth setup's got quite a lot of recognition. I mean, Dave Hooper won Young Coach of the Year for the ICC Europe this year. So, uh, no, we are very lucky. Obviously, a, a big thing in Guernsey is we're very lucky to have um, good sponsors. You know, obviously, Ravenscross sponsored our side, but all, all through the youth level, so much of it comes down to money at the end of the day, because if you've got the money, you can put these things in place. Other countries, unfortunately for them, don't quite have the same backing that we're lucky enough to have in Guernsey. So, like with anything in the world, money money is a big thing. But, yeah, I, I think we've got a good structure in place at the moment um, and bringing through plenty of good cricketers. Yeah, and, and who else are you looking out for in the tournament? What are the, what are the real danger, danger sides? Well, Italy, Italy are going to be the big one on Thursday. I think they're, they're probably the strongest side in the tournament. Um, they, had, they had two pretty resounding wins today. Um, we played them two years ago and beat them at, the, at Port Swath, but um, I, I got, we, we all kind of played out last skins that day um, played really well. So um, they're going to be a tough test for us on Thursday. But hopefully um, we can afford, I'd say, a loss at least one loss in the group matches and still get to the semis. So it, hopefully if we do our job between now and Thursday right, then that might give us a bit of freedom to go out and play against Italy with you know that, that added freedom. Is it quite funny sort of playing international sport like against Italy or against France or something, like major nations like that? Yeah, it is. It's, it's, it's a bit peculiar when you think, oh, you know, little old Guernsey but actually we're kind of I think ranked 31st in the world and you, it, it is a bit humbling really and you, when you think about it um, one of the guys we, we're playing with um, he was trying to explain to his office colleagues you know who we're playing against and they're like oh you're playing against Italy and they kind of presumed it was like their fourth or fifth team and he was like no no Italy as in you know the full nation which <laughs> yeah. I think kind of shocked them a bit so, <laughs> particularly when we go to places like Malaysia who've got like 25 million people and kind of go go to their backyard in a cricketing nation and beat them it, I think I think some of that gets kind of overlooked um, somewhat by, by Guernsey people that, that is actually quite a <laughs> quite a decent achievement yeah, doing right. that kind of stuff it kind of goes a bit unnoticed I think sometimes yeah. Great. Well, good luck, Jamie. Good luck with the rest of the tournament. We will be following Thanks, with guys. interest back here. Yeah, I mean, if you're up for it, if you're up for it, come come on uh, next week, and we'll have a just chat about how it went. Well, yeah, I'm delighted. You know, I've never turned down an opportunity to spend some quality time with you guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we're the kind of we're the forgotten men of Guernsey cricket, really. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, Guernsey, uh, Guernsey getting the win then today sets them up nicely. They got games against Austria. You know, if you want to follow the fortunes of Guernsey uh, in this tournament, uh, they play Austria tomorrow, and then games against Italy and Gibraltar on Thursday before Sweden. 
come to town <laughs> on Friday. And by come to town, I mean come to uh, Horsham, somewhere like that. The Swedes are in town. <laughs> the Swedes are in town and they mean business. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, look forward to that. I mean, you know, if you're from one of those associate nations, if you're playing there and you're a listener to the show, let someone know. Don't keep it to yourself. Much like Britain's long wait for a Wimbledon singles champion, this episode of the World Cricket Show is over 76 years, Tone. That's not how long we've been recording, is it? I knew I was getting tired, but... Feels like it, Tone. No wonder. Feels like it, am I right? Have you had fun, though? Have you managed to have fun for at least some of it? Well, I've enjoyed parts of it, yeah. <laughs> uh, I've got progressively more tired. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exciting, uh, exciting week in prospect. And we'll Absolutely. be back next week, safe in the knowledge of who's won the first test. That's, yeah, that's, that's, that's very exciting. The next time we record, uh, we'll be talking about the result of an Ashes test match. I almost don't want it to start. You know how like the anticipation is better than the real thing with almost anything. Yeah. It, well, what I love about it, I mean, yeah, and it's been given a huge build-up, and it is, you know, it's obviously an incredibly huge event. But you know that like twenty past eleven on Wednesday morning, Bumble will be talking about like what he had for dinner the night before. <laughs> yeah. There'll be like a really slow passenger place. <laughs> Literally, my favourite thing ever <laughs> is that yeah, in the last Ashes series, which the build-up for that I think was even bigger than the one in in Australia, and like people were going mad for it. It's like this is the most exciting thing ever. Literally, over number three, Bumble and both of them were discussing their favourite crime authors. <laughs> Bumble say like, I really enjoyed James Patterson, <laughs> yeah. uh, Linda. LaPlante Grisham (laughs) that is the thing about cricket isn't it unlike almost any other sport because it does have you know quiet periods like between each ball so it's like oh my god this is so exciting and then you go oh actually you know this we're just gonna have to sort of chill out and watch this by like half past 11 I'll probably be down the beach yeah (laughs) (laughs) you'd be like oh just I'll come back to this in a bit Uh, Um, no but seriously we'll be across it like a duvet across a bed uh, a doona across the bed. <laughs> yeah. We don't need the doona this time, though. We need the kind of towel. What's the Aussie word for towel? There must be one. Towel. Towel. <laughs> we'll be across it like a towel. I can't do that. We're going to be across it like a towel. Across a, a towel across a sun. <laughs> a towel across. <laughs> Worst, okay. <laughs> a towel across the sun bed. You went into pain. What we've learned tonight is that there's a reason why I don't try and do the Australian accent as often as you do. The sun bed. <laughs> a towel. I can't do it. You look a towel across the sun bed. <laughs> anyway, can you just say for me in your best Aussie accent, we're going to be across it like a towel across the sun bed. Shane Warne. <laughs> Bowling Shane. <laughs> You're going to be across it like a... Now I'm doing bloody Birmingham because <laughs> of you. lost it. You got the yips. You can tell across the sunbed. Yeah, that's what we're going to be across it like. <laughs> so, <laughs> something to look forward to. Wednesday's an odd one, isn't it? Why is it starting on a Wednesday? Yeah, that is a good question because, well, normally Thursday, isn't it? Um, I guess they're thinking if it does go the distance, days four and five will be Saturday and Sunday. But if it doesn't go the distance, if it's a three-day test, everyone will be at work. Apart from me, you got the day off, Tane. So you got the day off on Wednesday. Sure have. You're going to be tweeting? Uh, big time. I started to accelerate my tweeting somewhat in the last few minutes and days. Uh, a few minutes? Up, you should be yeah, so concentrating on the show. Uh, so I've upped my rate to about one a day at the moment, but I'm going to be maybe two, three tweets a day during the Ashes, at least some really key things. Follow him if, at Tony Cover. I'll tell you this. If Jared Butler's in the crowd <laughs> and he gets picked out, you'll hear about it. 
You'll hear about it. This is Sparta. You can shout. You can you can shout Don't that. For God's sake, can't mention anyone without you launching into some. <laughs> oh, well, you can't say Gerard Butler and not expect me to do that. Um, anyway, yeah, that's about it tonight. We're off home now. Uh, do you do you think we can make the after the podcast a bit less bleak this week than last week? Time? <laughs> Because uh, last week it was we recorded the night before my birthday, <laughs> uh, and then we went from here around to a friend's house. But like we left here at what about nine thirty? We hadn't eaten, so we went to a shop to to get some food. I went and bought a pizza, bleakest pizza I've ever eaten. I think in my life it was absolutely rubbish. <laughs> like well, because there were about there's a choice of four, but all the others the only toppings were meat, which I don't eat. So it was just cheese. Uh, and so I, I put it in the oven and it, it came out, it tasted awful. And I was just eating it like in our friend's bedroom while you, the two of you were playing FIFA. I just had to, had to sort of sit there with the, oh, well, there was, like, there was, some, there was, there was a, another kind of depressing level to it, wasn't it? Because I beat you at FIFA <laughs> quite convincingly, uh, as tends to happen. So, you know. It was funny though when we went to that shop because uh, <laughs> like you, you were driving, but you couldn't park outside. Uh, so I went in to get things for, for to get the pizza for me and get a few bits for you, and you were sort of going around the block. But I said like, "Oh, so what do you want?" And you just had this really long list of demands. You're like, "Right, I want two Ribena lights, cold, not from the front of the fridge, <laughs> from the back of the fridge. If they don't have Ribena light, I want ordinary Ribena again, not from the front of the fridge, from the back." It's just like, <laughs> come on, Tane. <laughs> And people say you're difficult, honestly. <laughs> not difficult, I'm just, you know, I've got high standards. <laughs> well, anyway, that's it for this week. Uh, we're going to be back, as we say, next week to talk about the Trent Bridge test. I'll see if there's time to talk about it after, you know, amongst all the chat about associate cricket. Well, exactly, yeah. Guernsey playing Austria, Sweden, etc. Be lots to talk about there. Uh, but between now and next week, if you like the show, there's lots of things that you can do about that. Uh, you can actually like us on Facebook. Uh, so go to facebook.com slash cricket show uh, and click the like button there. Follow us on Twitter as well. At cricket show is essentially me. Tony's mentioned his Twitter account already. At Tony Cover, T-O-N-Y-C-V-R-R. Uh, you can send us an email. That's worldcricketshow at gmail.com if you've got some things to say, if you've got complaints or anything like that. Uh, write a review for us on iTunes. We're very appreciative of all of those because uh, it does help to sort of attract new listeners draw new people in doesn't it suck them in are we still being featured on iTunes I haven't actually checked for a few days that's <laughs> such a good I'm not sure are we still being are featured we still, are, are we are we still are we still being featured uh, yeah okay well let's check are we still are we still selling are we still t-shirts a day I don't know. yeah look at that uh, podcast homepage on the UK store uh, so if you scroll down <laughs> quite scroll a way down and pan right and pan right a little bit no you don't have to pan right actually uh, just scroll down and we're right there. It's get ready for the ashes. But yeah, so so thanks to everyone that has been writing reviews. The fact that we're being featured is awesome and it, it does uh, mean that now is a, a brilliant time to write a review because more and more people are going to be sort of coming across our podcast and the more nice reviews on there, the better. So yeah, and the other thing, of course, is that we do have an online website, www.cricketshow.net. You can listen to the show on there. You can download the theme song for free, which a lot of people have been doing. Uh, and you can also purchase your World Cricket Show t-shirt which is just £15, and that includes free shipping to anywhere in the world. Uh, and as we said last week, this might well be your last chance to get a T-shirt because we are running out and we don't think we're going to re-up. So, so Re-up? <laughs> yeah, that's from The Wire tone. You've not watched The right, Wire. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not down with your... Yeah. The Baltimore slang. 
so yeah, so th- this is the time to get a t-shirt. Uh, so get in there now while you still can. Uh, but that's about it. Stay in school, everybody. Enjoy the ashes. Ashes. Ashes, 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 ashes. I don't know if we mentioned that it's the ashes, but it's the ashes. Ashes. See you next week, guys. Good day, oh look, and welcome to the World Cricket Show, a show I about. Sorry, I'm like mid. Alright, start again. So that we can we actually we got Brian Lara on like that. Are you right, Brian? <laughs> yeah, like, Brian, um, <laughs> it's so weird. What are you up to? <laughs> sorry, sorry, just loading. Just loading it right up. Loading it right up. Loading it right up. <laughs> Yeah, if you're from one of those associate nations, if you're playing there and you're a listener to the show, let someone know. Don't keep it to yourself. <laughs> All right, cool. Uh, what I suggest, obviously, is put that in after the Ashes yeah. stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> Obviously. Yeah. yeah, okay. Cool, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you're a real genius when it comes to, like... Oh, no, just planning out the podcast sequencing you know if you've got an album the way you want you know you want sequencing come to me <laughs> just like, <laughs> you're right and then you start putting loads of questions to him and then being like yeah 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 cool yeah yeah so there you go there's something funny for you to, to end on you can cut that last bit <laughs> see you next week guys I didn't stop Please say that wasn't recorded. <laughs> no, we didn't really get any of that. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.